Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Off Topic Hot Topic, a bonus episode of the Hunting Seasons podcast. I'm Damask Leary. I'm Broderick Gordis. Live long and prosper. Off Topic Hot Topic. That's whatever you were talking about for you. In case you don't know, Off Topic Hot Topic is where we talk about the headlines of the TV and entertainment world and discuss the stuff we've been watching, reading, playing and generally consuming. You should also know that we love getting topic suggestions from our listeners. So if you'd like to contribute a question, topic or story to Off Topic Hot Topic, you can do so by emailing us at contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or tweeting us at huntingscast. How are you doing, Damask Larry? Oh, I've got a bit of a, a, a sickness. My first one in probably... A year and a half. Oh. So I've been a real baby, Brod. I'm on my second uh, lemon and honey drink that I've made for myself. I've been complaining incessantly to Angela about how unwell I am. Just really milking it, you know. How are you? Beautiful. Making most of it. I'm living currently in a plague state again. Uh, mm. We're in lockdown four for Victoria. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was hopefully only go for seven days. It's been extended for another week at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, news is mixed on how well that's all going. So, you know, I'm in a, having an existential crisis generally. Um, <laughs> just feeling pretty shit right now. Cool, cool, feeling cool. like, oh, we're doing this all over again. Brilliant. And mm-hmm. really just honestly, the thing that's making the saddest is I'm not going to be over in WA this I month know. like I hoped. It's really, really put me well, down. Well, you were meant to honest. be here in two weeks and I just don't I know. see it happening. It's not happening. I've it's given up happening. on it. I've opened yeah. up my book at work. I'm it's no over. longer. That's not holidays. Aiming for mid to late July, hopefully. Which Fingers is, crossed. Yeah, we'll see how we go. All right. Let's not leave you two doing this for too long then. Thank you for uh, soldiering on and doing the podcast. We had something to release you this too, week. You too, Brad. You're for your mental health. Thanks. You too. This'll, listen, this will probably help. This will be helpful. This It'll be good to true. have a chat. Uh, let's do some headlines. Starting with some announcements. Amazon has purchased MGM for $8.4 billion US dollars. This is significant because... Uh, for us as a TV podcast, because Amazon uh, Prime Video, they now have mm-hmm. a bunch of new content. Theoretically, they'll be able to add to their services, including um, MGM was in charge of the Hobbit films, but not the Lord of the Rings films, James Bond films. I think they've got um, The Wizard of Oz, etc. Mm. And just another example of uh, big tech consuming more of our um, our sort of TV and film studios. This is, a, uh, I don't know, they seem to be seeing this a lot um, mm-hmm. Warner Brothers has just been merged with Discovery, I think, as well, um, which is its own thing too. Disney obviously bought up, I think now owns Hulu. It's like there's just constantly this feeling of bigger fish coming in, eating the smaller fish, and almost like almost like a monopoly is starting to emerge, <laughs> or at least a duopoly in some senses. You just wonder how long mm. it'll go on for. I can't wait for you know the final war between whatever two conglomerates you know consume everything. Yes. And then wage war like two titans above us as we're screaming below. 
what we didn't realise is that World War Three is actually going to be a world, a corporate war between <laughs> like Apple and Microsoft, and then you know. I think it's a natural evolution. Yeah, it's definitely going to be like Amazon and Disney or whatever. Something like that yeah. for sure. Uh, Adult Swim have ordered follow-up movies for the recently, or follow-up movie, I should say, for the recently cancelled The Venture Brothers, which was cancelled, uh, I think, unexpectedly last year. Mm. I'm not really a bit uh, a fan of the show. I've not watched it myself, but. I believe the creators were into writing the next season when they were told they weren't getting another one. So this is good news for Venture Bros fans. There's going to be a follow-up movie which will hopefully tie up or finish up some of the um, cliffhangers left from that previous season. Uh, they're also getting an Aqua Teen Hunger Force and Metal Metalocalypse movies as well, which are both shows have been off the air for a while. Are you a fan of any of those shows? Um, I watched a bit of Metalocalypse, I've never been able to say it, <laughs> many years ago, but not really. You know, I'd, I'd jump in here and there for those kind of Adult Swim shows, but they never really had my heart, no. But you never latched onto them, you were never following along week by week or anything like that? No. The CW are bringing back 90s kids game show Legends of the Hidden Temple, but with adult contestants instead of kids. Which is exciting, because I've been calling for them to do the same thing in Australia with a show that we used to watch for Amazing, which is a very similar concept. No, I agree, Uh, because I don't want to watch dumb kids do things. that I And also, they don't appreciate it because they don't have the nostalgia. So, I think it's a perfect way to reboot it, is to have... People, sad people our age. Yes. Go on to fulfill their childhood dreams. Who always wanted to be on Amazing, who yes. always wanted to wear the green or the yellow overalls, who yeah. always wanted to slam down, smash that giant keyboard, yes. who always wanted to go searching for letters and keys in that I want maze, those keys so badly. Who always wanted to win a Game Boy. Yeah. Like that should still be the prize, too. It should, it should still, absolutely be still be a prize. Game Boy. Yeah. Like, that's what you should win. Yep. Who always wanted to play Mario Kart and so you could get the most coins mm-hmm. in their minute and 30 seconds or whatever it was going around. And mm-hmm. it should still be James Sherry hosting. I yes. know he still does work. He does like game day, match day stuff for the football, especially mm-hmm. when the Tigers are playing. I know he's around. I've bumped into him. I've told him I like, uh, you know, I'm a big fan. Just <laughs> just make it happen. Come on. This is a Stan thing for sure. Stan, this, you get on this. Reboot amazing with James right. Sherry hosting. Is this perhaps the purpose you've been looking for during lockdown <laughs> is to somehow to get this to happen? Liam Liam and I, my brother Liam and I have been talking about this for years, literally mm. years. And now what, I, what I'm hoping is Legends of the Hidden Temple will be a massive success mm-hmm. and that Australia will be looking for its own version and we can just... He, he, you need to pro- write an email to Stan no, no, no. as soon as possible. We need to pitch them. Like, yeah, that's Liam what I'm works saying. for a company that pitches them. We need to yeah. pitch them this concept, like... I'm looking yes. into it. Let me put it that way. Please. <laughs> uh, ABC has picked up the John Tittle na- narrated reboot of The Wonder Years. Did you ever watch the original R- Wonder Years, Damask? I mean, when I was really little, like the was it even re- it probably was reruns at that point. Yeah, I would have been. I would. Yeah, think, when yeah. I was really little. Yeah. Uh, That's exciting if you're a fan of The Wonder Years. Uh, After the Mystery Science Theatre 3000 revival was cancelled by Netflix a year or so back, creators of the show have recently successfully kickstarted a new season of their own, including 12 full episodes and a Halloween and Christmas special. I'm pretty excited about this. I'm not a massive, massive Mystery Science 3000, uh, Mystery Science Theatre 3000 fan. I've dabbled here and there with it, Mm. but I found it. A, a very, very like easy, comforting watch. Something in the background while I'm doing other things, or if I'm in the right mood, or under the right sort of chemical balance. Uh, <laughs> watching, watching that can be a lot of fun. And the yeah. fact it seemed like just a really nice thing to have as part of Netflix. Like, oh, I don't know what I feel like watching. Oh, Mystery Science 
uh, Theater 3000, this is just going to, you know, give me a smile mm. and be easy watch. Yeah. So the fact that they're getting another, they've been able to kickstart another season is very exciting, I think. Very cool. It always makes me excited when, yeah, projects like that get cancelled, but then they have such a rabid fan base that they can kind of do their own thing. We were playing a little group thing, Minecraft, with our friend Ben the other day, and he was yeah. mentioning that, you know, that's what Critical Role did, really. Not that they were cancelled, but they, you know, went in, pitched it, they were giving given like a skerrick of a budget like fuck that we'll just kickstart it and they got like six million dollars or something ridiculous yeah and this is the i think that's where things that used to have like cult following so small but very Mm. enthusiastic fan bases Mm -hmm. now with uh kickstarter and those sorts of like funding options online Mm. um can exist just by existing in their own bubble. Find a sustainable model that means the fans can contribute directly. They don't have to go through a studio. They don't have to hit ridiculous like um, levels of like audience uh, interaction or anything yeah. like that from an advertising point of view. That's awesome. That's that's you know one of those good things that the internet has allowed for us to happen. I imagine I'm trying to imagine what would have happened if say Firefly or something like that existed now. If it didn't quite have uh, the audience. And need to stay on the air, but maybe could have continued in some form online or something like that. I don't know. Uh, recently cancelled Kim's Convenience is getting a spin-off show in the Strays. Are you, first of all, are you familiar with Kim's Convenience? Yeah, Angela and I started watching it somewhat recently. Yes. And we got maybe like pretty close to the end of season one. Yep. Um, I really like the mum and the dad. Mm-hmm. I really struggled with the show. Okay. I really did. Yeah. What's interesting about this, this spin-off show of Strays is going to follow the character of Shannon. Do you know who Shannon is from the show? No, I'd probably have to Google it. She's one of the, or they are, I don't know if it's he or she actually, because I haven't watched the show, is one of the main characters, but is notably the only main character or core cast character of Kim's Convenience who is not Asian. So... This is oh. a little bit of an interesting situation. The show was cancelled because the original creators decide they wanted to move on. The mm-hmm. producers of Kim's Convenience oh, then said- Oh, it's the white woman. Got it. Correct. Who's the boss. Yeah, yeah, Okay. The the producers then like, oh, we can't find anyone who we think is going to be suitable to keep the show going from a creative standpoint, so we're going to just cancel the show after its current season. Mm. And everyone's like, oh, that's disappointing. Maybe you could have looked for somebody. So these supposedly predominantly white producers have instead gone, but we don't want, you know, to not get something out of this. We'll use- the white character, or the non-Asian character at mm. least, and get them to have a spin-off show so we can keep this ball rolling, which is extremely cynical and uncool. Um, I wonder who's going to watch that. Well, that's a good question, right? Who is going to watch that? It depends, I guess, who are the you know prominent, prominent fans of the show. Is it a prominently Asian audience? Is it a bit more mixed? I'm not sure. But uh, Simu Lee... Well, not who- even that, but like, you know, I think it was... Whether no matter if you're Asian yeah. or not, just watching that show, a big part of it was like, you know, enjoying that kind of cultural element, whether you're totally. a part of that culture or not. So then just to make a random sitcom about this white woman, it's like, eh, it's um, like so, everything else out there. So Simu Liu, who is going to be Shang-Chi in the upcoming Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings mm. Marvel movie, who's also in Kim's Convenience, I understand, mm. he's come out as quite obviously irritated, if not upset by this, mm, that he thinks is very cynical as well. And has said outright that he, if they ever asked him to like return as his character on this spin-off show, he would just flatly say no. Yeah. Uh, and finds it pretty insulting and I don't blame him, honestly. Yeah, fair. 
Uh, in cancellation news, the 2022 Golden Globe Awards ceremony broadcast has been cancelled by MC, uh, NBC due to the Hollywood Foreign Press Association's lack of meaningful change in relation to its missing diversity, its lack of diversity, and enabling abuse within the industry. Mm. Good work, NBC. <laughs> I just, when I read this news, I assume I was on Twitter. And I just laughed and laughed and laughed. Because these people are fucking losers <laughs> and are notorious fucking losers who just like love sitting next to celebrities and stuff um, and do terrible things and create a terrible environment in order to do that. Um, so good. Fuck them. I, I I'll be happily not watch the Golden Globes again. I wonder if it was an even easier decision this year to not broadcast an awards show mm. when the Oscars was such a fucking mess. So terrible. Yeah. And like generally awards shows have been hard to get an audience this mm. last 12 months or so and just actually produce them. So that may have helped as well. But whatever the reason, this is a good outcome, I think. The Ellen DeGeneres show is officially ending after its next season. Ellen made in her statement, says in her statement, when you're a creative person, you constantly need to be challenged and as great as the show is and as fun as it is, it's not just a challenge. It's just not, sorry, a challenge anymore. <laughs> That's some top level BS there. From, <laughs> That's hilarious. From good old Ellen. Mm. Of course, you would expect this has more to do with the fact that there's been a huge amount of controversy around that show and her, mm. but the way she treats her staff, etc. And no Even, one's watching anymore. And no one's like watching her anymore. Her ratings have plummeted. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah, not a challenge anymore. <laughs> right. Whatever you say. Uh, boy, her reputation is really... I, I think she's always had a bit of a reputation for being difficult, but mm. not. it's just been torpedoed in yeah. recent years. It's incredible to watch that implode. That's uh, right. She'll be at home in her mansion with her dogs and animals and she'll be fine. So True. Yeah, I'm know. not worried about her. Yeah. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's, you know, retirement age. It's time to go. Bye, Alan. Next gen of gays. Mm-hmm. One of the 800 Star Wars TV shows, Rangers of the New Republic, mm. is no longer in active development. Now, Good. we never... We never knew a whole lot about this show. It sounded it was, boring, though. Well, it, literally, we, we just got a title <laughs> and a logo, I think. We didn't know. Yeah. There was speculation around, about what the show was. It sounded but there super was, boring. It sounded Let's super be boring. Honest. <laughs> Unless it was Power Rangers of the New Republic, that's a show I would mm-hmm. watch. That mm-hmm. would have been fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the idea of like space cops is sort of what we yeah. got from this. And that Snows. did not... Did not seem all that uh, compelling. But there was also speculated that this was going to be the show that Gina Carano's Cara Dune was going to star in or at least be an active part of. Um, and so there's, yeah, there's a good chance that maybe the reason this is not going ahead in production anymore is because mm. they don't want to work with that character or yes, her anymore. I'm very which- excited that a show with a seemingly pretty boring concept, possibly led by one of the, well, no, the worst actor on The Mandalorian, isn't happening anymore. Cool. True. Good good decision. And like one less Star Wars show that's coming out is not necessarily a bad thing. Certainly if we can not just for our schedule. Qual- yeah, true. Quality, not quantity is what I want. Yes, uh, please. And while like hearing that Star Wars is constantly growing is exciting on one in one way, it's also that worry that it will just become diluted over time. So this is good. This is good. Let's put more money and energy into what's left and not spread ourselves too thin. Uh, recent Netflix superhero show Jupiter's Legacy has released its actors from their contracts, heavily suggesting the show will not return for a second season. This mm-hmm. show 
notoriously uh, cost about $200 million to make, apparently, season one, uh, and did not really make a splash viewership-wise. Mm. Um, did you end up watching it all? I think you saw the trailer and were quite interested in it from memory. Yeah, I did. And then I watched episode maybe one and two. When I was wasted, I was so drunk. <laughs> um, and I just remember thinking, very vague thoughts, of course, but just remember thinking like, oh, it looks terrible. Like yeah. it looks like a CW show. Mm. Um, no one is likable. I hope we get to the point soon. Um, but then I was reading this thing just, I think, yesterday, being like, it never gets to the point um, oh. This is actually a setup for like you know the first comic or whatever the fuck I don't I don't know yeah. nor do I really care but um yeah so that's that's what was happening that's what I've heard as well it's like I think they called it the origin season and so <laughs> what's interesting though is while this Jupiter Jupiter's legacy appears to have been cancelled essentially mm. the spin-off show Super Crooks which had already been announced I think. Or, or has rumoured to be coming, has now definitely been um, set to happen. This is set in the same universe as Jupiter's Legacy. It's been given the green light by Netflix. I believe it's a prequel series to the series you just watched, or it, lies, it takes place in the 30s or something like that. I'm not 100% sure. But it's like yeah. they've cancelled one show and are moving on to a spin-off of that one, which <laughs> did, wasn't super successful. I don't know. It's It seems a little like, are you sure about this, Netflix? Yeah, What's going it's on like- here? Jumping off from a confused place, yeah, is probably a bad idea. I think. Yeah, <laughs> I how do you probably... gain traction if you're not yeah. getting into like you know the 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 pop culture space in an effective way? If you can't yeah. break through, why would you be doing spinoffs? It's very yeah. strange. Not exactly a cancellation, but the recently filmed pilot for the live action sequel series to the Powerpuff Girls was deemed too campy by the CW and will now be rewritten and refilmed and produced. So this is interesting because the initial pitch we got made it sound like maybe that it was too going to be too gritty, that we're going for dark. And Mm. now to hear that the CW thinks the CW (laughs) thinks it's too campy. That sounds I don't know why it's better. (laughs) Yeah, right? I was like, well it should be. It was a pretty camp show, really. Yeah, um, exactly. What well, is it? Was an anime kids show? Yeah, about sugar and spice and everything nice and yeah, like, it yeah. should be camp. It should be camp. It's, it has super, to have it. it's a super fucking gay show. It Mojo be camp. Jojo is the main villain, I believe. Like, I don't even watch that show very much, but I can sense it's got a bit of camp to it. Yeah. Uh, while the announced cast uh, remains on board, this means the show won't premiere uh, this year as planned. So they have to redo the whole thing and start from scratch. They so go back to the drawing board. Basically, that's insane to me. Like, a that's very stupid. Boo. Apparently, a very rare thing to happen for mm. a show to get a chance to redo its pilot. Famous examples have been things like Game of Thrones and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, and I think Seinfeld as well had got it to do a repilot before they finally went to air. Um, mm. So you know those shows turned out pretty well. Maybe this one will too. Maybe this will be yeah. you know I an all time. Buffy did like that some- as well. Like they recast people or something, didn't they? Or is they- that a regular thing? Recasting feel- after a pilot is not that unusual. But they must have reshot the pilot, though, because yeah. Alison Hannigan's in it. That's true. Yeah, they must have. I think, I think they reshot it. I guess you're right, actually. I think they did do a repilot. Hey, that worked out for Buffy as well. So, this is what I'm saying. Maybe the Powerpuff <laughs> Girls is going to be the next Buffy, you know? <sighs> mm. <laughs> 
Uh, in casting news, Chris North will return as Mr. Big in Sex and the City sequel series. And just like that, uh, does that excite you at all? Is it Chris North? Chris, Chris North, is it? Have I, I, think I written so. that down wrong? I don't Maybe. think there's an R there. It's quite possible that uh, Paige autocorrected often does that. And I worry mm-hmm. that, yeah. yeah, as I've written things out, it's um, not right. Anyway, am I excited about that? About Mr. Big being back. I mean, Mr. Big, I think, is probably one of the worst male partners who is, like, meant to be, like, aspirational to have. Sure. Um, in television. I mean, I don't really care. I don't care about this reboot because Samantha's no. not in it. Like, I don't... And also the films were so terrible. Maybe if it happened and it was really good and Samantha was in it, I would probably be like, oh, sure, I'll check that out. But one, Samantha's not in it. The two movies that we got were so fucking bad. Um, yeah. And also we can leave it behind because Sex and the City does not age well. I rewatched yep. all of it recently and it's pretty bad. <laughs> pretty bad. Pretty bad, like, in terms of from a... Uh, Where the culture is now. Cultural point pretty, of view. Pretty bad, okay, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, previously, we discussed that Colin Firth has been cast as the lead in the HBO Max dramatisation of the true crime doco series, The Staircase. He's now mm. been joined by Sophie Turner, Tony Collette, Juliette Bonoche, uh, Rosemarie DeWitt, I believe that's right, and Parker Posey. Again, I th- I'm looking at this, Park. Posey is what my pages doc says. I need to stop using this program because I believe Parker Posey has been autocorrected by that. So, mm. yeah, I'm going to start using notes instead. But anyway, uh, a lot of good casting there. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, I, I had no interest in this because I've watched, obviously, The Staircase. Like, back on the days when it was on YouTube in, like, a million parts, I mm-hmm. watched The Staircase. Yes. Um, and I enjoyed it, like, back in the day. But I'm like, fuck yeah, true crime, before true crime was everywhere. And I was like saturated and drowning in it um but now that you've told me the cast i'm like yeah oh, i'll definitely be watching that uh spoiler i don't think tony collette will be in a heap um, oh <laughs> i see <laughs> oh, but the rest of the cast we girl. might have flashbacks though we could the, we yeah. could yeah i mean it's dramatization they can do whatever they want they could have a ghost i mean who knows <laughs> tony collette as a ghost <laughs> now that's camp i love it yes <laughs> Netflix's live action adaptation of Neil Gaiman's Sandman graphic novel series has made a heap of new casting announcements, including including Kirby Hal Baptiste and Mason Alexander Park as Dream Siblings Death and Desire, as well as Pat Oswalt, Stephen Fry, and Jenna Coleman, among others. As you can imagine, fans have some problems with the casting, as they always seem to do, mm. particularly of Hal Baptiste's death. And Alexander Park as Desire. Now, I don't know how much you know about Sandman. I know mm-hmm. a wee little bit because I've got the first graphic novel in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, and Death has always traditionally in these been a very pale white woman, mm-hmm. very goth-like. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite it's quite a striking image in the graphic novels. And it's an iconic sort of look. So, mm-hmm. I get that to some degree. Kirby Halbert Taste, black woman. Mm-hmm. Excellent casting from a character point of view. I think there's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. People are, obvi- are up in arms, though, that they've made this white woman, aka a ethereal being that doesn't actually isn't actually a human being and can look like whatever <laughs> the fuck you want it to. <laughs> casting it with a black woman, but Neil Gaiman has come out in defense of this. He's had a lot of people saying that he's like, um, he's like bent to the woke crowd or whatever, and just you know all that sort of shit. And he's like. Guys, I was part of the casting and she was the best choice for the role. 
yeah. go fuck yourselves, basically, which is good news. I don't even know why they keep trying with that. Ugh. With yeah. what? Just with the whole, you know, when someone of a different race is cast in a role that exists already in pop culture and they get they fucking shit their own pants yeah. on their keyboards <laughs> <laughs> and it's so embarrassing for them because, like, ugh, it's not going to change. Just shut the fuck up. Deal with it. Be an adult. Anyway. Alexander Park, on the other hand, is non-binary. Uh, and they have been cast as Desire in, mm-hmm. as from what I understand, in the graphic novel. And I'm not as familiar with the character of Desire as I am with the character of Death in Sandman. But Desire is androgynous anyway, is mm. sort of non-binary in their appearance and look. And so this seems like accurate and obvious casting. Mm. And people are still getting up in arms about it, of course. Cool. Let's move on. Gillian <laughs> Anderson has been cast in... Uh, Season two, sorry, of The Great as the mother of Elle Fanning's Catherine. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. First of all, The Great. For anyone who hasn't watched it yet, you absolutely have to watch watch it. I, it is such a good show. I, I'd forgotten so, about to some degree. Like It just sort of been long enough that it sort of mm. slipped out of my like consciousness that there's more coming. But so then I saw good. this news. I'm just yeah. like, oh, yeah, we're getting more of The Great. That's going to be Yeah, And then to have, amazing. yeah, Gillian Anderson... Join the cast. Fuck yes. I'm so excited. Are nice. you still excited even after her? You weren't very big fan of her, Margaret Thatcher in The Crown. That's fine. I mean, she look, she she took big swings in that role and she's not going to be imitating someone who I can like, who I have seen before. Mm-hmm. She can like really do anything she wants to this character. True. Yeah. Yeah. She's. It's yeah. not that impersonation yeah. sort of performance she's going to have to do. Yeah. She gets to just make it her own. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, she is based on a real person. Yeah. But, uh, but the great. I've, I don't know what is, she sounds like. <laughs> but the great. Yeah. The, and the great has not really been historically accurate. To How this dare point, you, I don't sir? Think. How dare you? <laughs> it's the only history I'd pay attention to. Uh, deny. Guerrera, I believe, also known as Wakandan Dora Milaje Soldier Okoye, is joining the yet-to-be-titled Disney Plus Black Panther spin-off series. Uh, So, that's exciting. I'm looking forward to... What I didn't do even know that? that was happening. Did I know that was happening? There was rumours. I think they announced there was going to be one. It doesn't really have a title yet. Yeah. We didn't know exactly what it was going to be about. Um, but if they're yeah, following Okoye or the other uh, Dora... Melage, I'm happy with that. They made a really strong mm. sort of um, impact both in Black Panther and in Falcon and the Winter Soldier recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so more time spent around them and just Wakanda in general. I think there's it's just such an interesting fictional place they've created. Mm. Um, having a show set in Wakanda sounds awesome to build out that okay. world beyond just sort of like it sounds like it's still going to be very focused around the royal family um, yeah. in Wakanda but if I can I'm very interested that, in that I'm, I'm super looking forward to that speaking of really cool. I don't know if you have this on your notes but have you watched like the the trailer or the promotional video or whatever for that new Avengers section in I've Disney I've seen some clips of some photos and stuff Reporters who got to uh, go and check it out, mm. but I haven't watched the promo video, no. I think, it, look, what I watched, I think it was just like the guy from LA Times. Yeah. And like in concept, really cool. Mm. Really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, in broad daylight, <laughs> in, when everything looks so clean, it looks so dorky. <laughs> it's just, and it is, it just inherently is. But um, yeah. 
I, I, it's, this is it's, one of those things. It's awkward to watch, but it's for children. I think like it's really skewed towards little kids. Totally. Um, but it didn't make me as excited as that awesome Star Wars like hotel. Sure, but yeah. we haven't seen the awesome Star Wars hotel in like video well, either. Well, that's right? that's the thing. Is like when I don't think those promo videos that like obviously these journalists are doing are doing what they think they're doing. I generally think that's true of any time people do coverage of theme parks, yes. right? I don't think. When and there's it's a very popular like genre of YouTube video and channel, mm. right? Is people who like go to theme parks and talk about rides in depth and all that sort of stuff. And they take you like try and like mm. show you the ride stuff. I don't think that really works. It, I, I've 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 always interested in that stuff, like the the Nintendo Super Nintendo world that's opened up in Japan recently mm. is coming to Orlando and stuff as well. Like it was great to get an idea of what the world's going to look like, but it's not the same as being there when you're physically yeah. there in a 3D space when the things loom over you large and you can touch things and you got the yeah. sounds and stuff. It's a very different experience. I think when you Cuz like th- even when you're there everything looks, you know, super fake and manicured of totally. course, but like that's part of like the fun of it. Yes. But just watching it like on your screen, it looks it doesn't work. so cheap and terrible. Yeah. Totally, totally. There's an energy to actually being there, which is yeah. why I've never really gone deep or fallen deep into that hole of like those mm. theme park things. For me it's it's like it gets me excited to go, but it doesn't get me anywhere near. Like it doesn't I couldn't do that for hours on end and just watch. Mm. I, I, I think it, 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 all the charm is gone very quickly. Yeah. It's, it's so yeah. It might, it probably looks cheap. I reckon if I was there, I'd be geeking out like a fucking idiot. Like yep. I seeing think it was just Peter like, Parker over there and seeing Doctor Strange. There is a like really that, like, cool thing that they've done. We're like with Spider Man, like swinging in between buildings with like this, yes. Obviously, it's an actor, and then it's like this becomes this mechanical thing. It looks really good. So I remember seeing cool. the video of them setting, like showing us. There was like as a while ago, like a year ago or something, mm. this animatronic dummy that was doing the swinging, uh, looking mm-hmm. fucking amazing. Yeah, it looks and that, good. That's, they've implemented that into the play. That's so cool. Yeah. There was a moment where we see Doctor Strange pretty much doing a magic show, <laughs> right? <laughs> like on the street. <laughs> it's just. So I was like, wow, did he lose that beautiful brownstone? Like, why is he Stephen having Strange to do this? It's fallen on hard times. <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. But uh, but I'm sure, like, kids and stuff would absolutely love it, yeah. I, I, I Honestly, I would love it. Going yeah. there, there's nothing in my life I want to do more now than get to Super, Mario, Super Nintendo World. I want to get to um, the Star Wars whatever it is. I even yeah. want to go to the Avatar one. Apparently, the Avatar section in Disney World is pretty amazing as well. Is it? I didn't even know there was one. Av- we're talking Avatar, the James Cameron Avatar, the Navi. Oh, yeah, okay, no. <laughs> I got so excited. No, I know. That would be... Oh, mm, that would be amazing. Mm, be I was like, thing. how have I not heard about this? Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Maybe one day. Maybe one, one day. day. Nickelodeon are pretty closely tied, I believe, to uh, Universal stuff. They mm. have a lot of things. They have like the SpongeBob area. So, if, if like... You know, now they've got Avatar Studios and they're creating more content. Maybe one day we'll get an Avatar oh world. And that, okay, I hadn't even thought about that. I'm actually welling up mind. a little bit. <laughs> I thought of it. I'm getting so emotional about that. This, yeah, non-existent theme park section. But can you imagine, like, the characters, like, Akora oh and oh my Asami? God. Oh, my God. Are they kissing? Are they kissing <laughs> on the street? Oh, my God. Can I ask to be a third? What What's the dynamic? <laughs> <laughs> That's their special hotel version of Avatar. <laughs> it's in the spirit world. 
I you just happen you know upon what? their vacation. Mm. I wonder if that exists. Is there like, are there like brothels out there that where the sex workers like dress up in cosplay for you? We're like, in Japan, they do. definitely. <sighs> Brad, what are you excited about? <laughs> I'm just, I'm thinking, I'm excited for you. That oh, sounds like your dream come thank true. You. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, wow. Somehow was- I don't think the costumes would be quite to my standard. That, listen, that's what I'm saying. It's a premium service, right? Yeah. Like this, okay. if this Star Wars hotel is going to cost you fuck knows how much to go there, yeah. I want like you know make it realistic. Like make sure yeah. it's you know accurate to the. <laughs> it would be quite an experience to like walk down like your hall towards your room, and just watching someone else taking the hand of Goofy into another <laughs> room. Like that would be <laughs> that'd be beautiful. I'm like fuck yeah, the world is gorgeous. Good for everyone. <laughs> This is why we should call the show Off Topic, Hot Topic. That was, that was wonderful. <laughs> um, there had been rumours for a while, while on the Marvel train, going back to that for a second, rumours mm-hmm. of Oscar Isaac had been cast as Moon Knight in the up- upcoming Disney Plus series. They have now been confirmed and that is definitely happening. Okay. So I'm looking forward to that now as well. Now Googling Moon Knight. Okay. He's essentially, as far as I understand, I haven't read any Moon Knight. He is sort of like the, pardon me, the... The Marvel version of Batman to some degree. However, he's also has like a split personality thing going on um, mm-hmm. where he's like multiple personalities within the same superhero. Cool. Which sounds interesting. And Oscar Isaac being cast in that, I think, is a big tick of approval that they'll do a good job of that. So that should be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, some premiere dates. Brooklyn Nine-Nine is set to premiere its final season on August 12th. I want to read you the pilot synopsis. Or the, the plot synopsis, sorry, for the first episode of this mm. last season. Jake and the squad must try to balance their personal lives and their professional lives over the course of a very difficult year. <laughs> I'm. It's very vague. I don't think I'm, they've written any scripts yet. <laughs> that sounds like maybe a book report of a book you definitely haven't read. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but no, there's like, is this going to be a COVID thing? Is it going to be a Black Lives Matter situation? Mm. Is that is that the angle at all? Maybe it has nothing to do I with either like of those I feel like the show, things. knowing the show, will probably do both. I think I think there's a good chance yeah. it will do both as well. Uh, less news and more just for our own interest's sake. Mm-hmm. Annie Murphy's Kevin Can Fuck Himself has a premiere date of June 13th. So that's like a week and a In bit Australia? away. In Australia? On AMC Plus, eight episode season with a double episode premiere. No news on when it will be available to watch in Australia. I hate my life! <laughs> I hate it! There was a new trailer recently that I, re- I watched. I'm like, I'm really, really keen for this show. And it's being me kept too. from me and I don't understand why. I don't appreciate it at all. It's so fucking rude anyway. It might not be any good yet. No one, Literally no one has watched it yet. But um, I'm very keen to check it out. But I want to be one of the first. The <laughs> <laughs> RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars 6 has a premiere mm. date of June 24th on Am- oh, sorry, on Paramount Plus, not VH1 like normal. Mm. And the lineup of queens for that has been announced. Have you seen that lineup? I have seen the lineup. What stands out to you? Is it a good list? Oh, the fact that I can't really remember it tells me it's not great. <laughs> The only there was only a couple on there that I knew, and I've only watched a couple of seasons. Obviously, I think Um, there was Jiggly Caliente, who I knew, and Pandora Box. Oh, Jujubee's already been on a million times. What am I saying? Yeah, yeah. Mm. So they were the only two that I really knew or remembered from the little bit I've Um, been watching. Yeah, I'm just looking at a photo now. Um, uh, not not really for me. Yeah, no. No, <laughs> I'm not that excited, to be honest with okay. you. 
I mean, we're up to our sixth All Stars. You know, well, that's the thing. There's how many how many seasons has there been? 12, 13, 14, something like that? Something like that, yeah. Okay. 13, so every time you have an All-Stars, let's say you have the same number of queens. Mm. By now, All-Stars means half the cast. <laughs> like <laughs> half the queens who have ever been on the mm. show have probably been just about mm. just about that. Maybe probably not quite that oh, much. You but know close what? to that have been All-Stars. I'm somewhat intrigued to see Trinity K. Bonet, like her evolution. Because when we see her in her season, she's in the season like Bianca Del Rio and all those people. Um, she gets read pretty hard and like, you know, mm. she's pretty young at the time and her work ethic is kind of shown as being not super great. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at this promo pic, I'd love to see now that she's a bit older, um, where her drag is at. Yeah. I'd, I'd be interested in seeing Trinity K. Bonet, but I feel like that's it really. Yeah. In other news, Kate Winslet-led Mayor of Easttown had some impressive numbers growing in viewership mm. from week to week. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is on HBO Max, culminating in 4 million viewers of the finale over its premiere weekend. Mm-hmm. Due to its popularity, speculation has run wild on whether there will be a season uh, two of the show, even though the full book is based on has been adapted in season one. Creators of the show are not against the idea uh, if they had the right story. How do you feel? You watched Mirror Beast, didn't you? I did. I did indeed. Um, it was nice to have something to like watch weekly again. Mm. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was it was really good, and uh, Kate Winslet is amazing. So good. The cast generally is really, really, really good. We don't need a second season of that. What a okay. stupid idea. <laughs> this, ha- this happens anytime something is popular, though. I know. Like, it's so stupid. It's this like, is why we've got a Big no, Little no. Lies season two as well. Yeah, it's like, we that both was, know that, that, was that good. That was good. It is not sustainable at all. No? At all. No, of course. Like, I don't know. I've not watched it. You tell I me. Mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, bro, you tell me. Um, <laughs> no, not at all. Like, that's not the story is to... Ugh, no, it's... Fucking dumb idea. It's about this poor woman's, you know, trying to process a very specific trauma. Um, and she's started to process it and that's a really good place to leave it. What was the Sharp Objects? That was the Amy Adams mm. one we watched. I think mm-hmm. there was talk about that getting a season two mainly so as well. Stupid. And that's, to me, just by the way you described that, sounds like a very similar thing. Like going back to a small town yeah. to investigate previous yeah. trauma they're dealing with, you know. It felt like it felt like a book and the yeah. book's finished now. Yeah. Not everything needs to be a fucking trilogy. You know what I mean? Like let's let totally. it go. You enjoyed it, let it go. Fictional Parks and Recreation band Mouse Rat are releasing their debut album titled The Awesome Album on August 27th. Tracklist includes favourites including 5,000 Candles in the Wind, Bye Bye Little Sebastian, Sex Hair, Catch Your Dreams featuring Duke Silva and Anne Song. Uh, we'd be checking that out on August 27th, Tomas. Uh, no, because their music is terrible. <laughs> and I've heard all those songs, so True. no. Yeah, I don't know. It was funny. That got that got a little bit of traction, that story. And I, I don't know why. In the, in the show, the joke is that Mouse Rat are terrible. Yeah. And so, and while I do like Bye Bye Little Sebastian get stuck in my head oh, constantly, yeah. mm-hmm. um, I don't need to buy the album of that. No. I'll watch the show if I need to explore yeah. those And where is that money going to? It's just like NBC like trying to cash Pretty in much. for yep. something that finished quite a long time ago. Um, 
Betty, mother of Phil and Lil in Nickelodeon's Rugrats remake, is apparently going to be gay in the 3D animated reboot series. I mean, she was always gay. That's exactly what everyone said. It's like, well, duh. (laughs) Um, So her husband, quote unquote, Mm. from the original series, Howard, is nowhere to be seen. Um, as the show has started, I believe now, um, and she hasn't been seen with. A, she's a single mother in the show at this point, so mm. I don't know how they're going to introduce that. It's going to be is going to be a major character arc. I don't know, or how they're going to come by that. But yeah, apparently she is gay mm. and a Gemini, based on that. They replaced the the female, the woman symbol that was on her shirt oh. in the original with the Gemini symbol. Why does she have um, to get rid of the female symbol? I like well, that. A lot of people were saying that's like more in with queer culture. Like your astrology sign is probably... <laughs> I mean, sure, <laughs> I but like, I don't know. I, I like that shit. <laughs> sure. You can find okay. someone online. Check out Etsy. You can get one for yourself. All right. Uh, finally, Kate Hudson and Leslie Adom Jr. have just been announced to be joining the cast of Knives Out 2. So... Oh, yes. Very exciting. Just because, just to add to that ridiculous pile of people who have already been announced for that. I did enjoy on Twitter so many people being like, oh, my God, am I going to be announced next? Just <laughs> random people. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f- are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Damask, what yes. have you been watching? Oh, this and that, Brod. Why are you asking? <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm very sick and I've lost the plot at this point. Yeah, you point. have. I'm fading really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, to answer your question, um, I watched Cruella. Okay. Yes, the origin story of Cruella de Vil. Um, the, the story we've all been asking for. That exactly. Begging for, I think, is the right term. For decades now, ever since the original was released. <laughs> so tell like, me more. I need to know where it starts. <laughs> uh, exactly. So I was watching and I was like relatively excited. I'm like, my expectations aren't super high because it's, you know, this live action origin story, like so many landmines here to be a crap movie. But I was pretty yeah. excited. I really like Emma Thompson. I really like, I've forgotten her name. Emma Stone. Thank you. Sorry. That's not because I don't know her name. It's because of my brain right yep. now in it's this fuzzy moment. Okay, Full great. of snot at the moment, your brain. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Thank you um, for giving the audience that image. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I was I was like, okay, cool. And I, I loved what Glenn, last name Close. Please, Glenn Close did in the 90s. It was so ridiculous. Um, so, I was like, okay. I can do this. I think I'll, I'll. I think this might be right up my alley. So I started watching Cruella. Oh boy! Oh boy! 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 Um. So this is not going to be a positive review. I'm just going to warn you up top. 
Um, I thought this film completely lacked any style, which considering what it's about, this amazing fashion fashion uh, designer, visionary. Um, I thought like Emma Thompson's wardrobe was pretty fabulous. Mm-hmm. But in the show, there's this moment where Cruella has like this big final showcase of of her work, her genius. Um, for me, it was just kind of reminiscent of the episode when Liz McGuire becomes a rebel. Like it's just this stupid hair. That sounds like, like high praise coming from you. <laughs> it's, it's not. Um, <laughs> and actually beyond that, beyond the, the fashion, the film itself looks ugly. I oh. think the direction is boring. I think the cinematography is flat. Wow. Um, yeah. Now, the character of Cruella is so confused. Like, I don't think the movie knows what to do with her. You know, like, she's crazy, you know, but she's not. And, like, who is this person? She is no one is the answer. Like, yeah. She's in no way interesting. Ultimately, the character is boring. Wow. I don't really care about her. The film makes me try by establishing connections between her and people who eventually in the in the later films, later in her life, become her minions. Um, but when she, like, flips the switch into being Cruella, I'm just left scratching my head. Like, is she the same person that we've spent, I don't know, like 40 minutes, an hour of the film watching is she still that person like what level of consciousness does she have um is she bad with a little bit of good is she mostly good with a little bit like i just have no idea who this person is she's meant to be crazy but she's clearly not but but then ultimately she becomes a a woman who wants to skin dogs to make a coat and i see none of that yeah, that's the in criticism I keep hearing is like they don't get to the point where that makes any sense. It has so why n- are you doing this at all? Is this, this like has an alternate nothing reality to version? Do. This film has yeah. nothing to do with Cruella DeVille. Like this yeah. is not Cruella DeVille at all. Like it's, you know, it's somehow they've created this story around, you know, this girl boss wanting revenge. And it's just like, th- how has this got anything to do with Cruella DeVille yeah. in any fucking way? Um, other than fashion, that like that is it, um, and obviously they jam in some Dalmatians here and there just for the sake of it. Um, now the plot twists and turns into absolute nonsense, like it's ridiculous, and I could actually vibe with that if the filmmaking matched it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm down for a silly film, but the filmmaking is so boring that it's just like. It doesn't stitch those things together. Like it feels, I think it looks, this movie looks and feels like a straight man's version of camp. It has no life. It has no edge. Um, And the story is so stupid that I wish it had a director with some style to kind of bring all of that silliness together. It is Um, interesting what you're saying. Like the, from some of the plot points I've heard, mm, particularly one that's revealed in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. It sounds like the sort of thing that, like, okay, if you're going to do that, go for it. Like, yeah. okay, that's a choice that you've made <laughs> and you need to back that up by making the whole film like that. Because if you do that, I think you can have some fun with it, as you said, yeah. campy and over the top. But if they've not done that, then what, what are we doing here? Yeah. And, like, it's just such a shame. Like, this film should not look boring. Mm. 
And to me, it really, really fucking does. This is always the problem, though. It's like when Disney does a villain story, they're not mm. really doing a villain story. They're doing a redemption story for a character that's popular as a villain and trying to make them acceptable to like, essentially. Yeah. With Maleficent, they're doing it with Cruella, and they'll do it with other villains as well. There's already talk of like potentially doing an Ursula, one of these, and this sort of thing. It's, it's about going... How can we take something that people already like, mm. turn it into a film that then makes it something that's easier to merchandise because it's no longer problematic because they're not skinning puppies? Like <laughs> that's what it's about, and that's a real shame yeah. if that's what they're gonna. That's if that's the only reason they're doing yeah. this. Then it's like, how could I, I as a five year old, be allowed to watch a film about a woman wanting to skin puppies? Yeah, and now as a thirty year old, I'm, I'm not allowed to watch an adult Emma Stone. Remember, thank you. Um, you know, somehow slowly become a woman who will one day skin puppies. I feel like I should have access to that story and I'm not allowed to. Um, And I get like this perhaps is for, I guess, maybe tweens. I don't don't actually know who the audience is. I could say that. Which is confusing. Maybe they would really like and think it's really cool. I don't. It's almost like a spin-off of the princess this this villain thing, the live action villain thing they're doing mm. at the moment, is like it's like a spin off of the princess sort of line of Disney yeah. stuff. That they it's do princesses for cool girls. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Exactly, that's what they're going for there. Um, yeah. That's a shame. I yeah. mean, I didn't really ever have high hopes for it. There was something. No. There was at some point. Yeah. And it's, it's always comes down to just Disney has really good marketing, right? There was a point mm. where I, I watched a trailer and I went. What if this is good? What if yeah. is there a chance this movie is good? And the answer is no, and it shouldn't. It doesn't surprise me that the the the, the general concept when it was announced I that we're really doing it was like this is a terrible idea. Good. Yeah, but you'd like to believe that mm-hmm. one day one of these mm-hmm. things could be good. One of them will be inspired enough in yeah. a way and will not be meddled with too much from a marketing and like yeah. corporate. Well, point I didn't of view mind. Could, it certainly wasn't a great film, but I didn't mind Maleficent. I think all of the factors that were in Maleficent Maleficent's worked fine. together and was cohesive. I suppose. Yeah. Um, whereas this, I mean, the thing is like, because I looked up who the director is and it, I feel like it could have been cool, mm-hmm. but perhaps, I don't know, this specific project just wasn't the greatest fit. I mean, yeah. after I finished it, I just thought to myself, like, this should have been like, it should have felt and almost looked like Death Becomes Her. Like just sure. that level of kind of silliness, like, villainy that is laughable but really fun to kind of watch um but yeah like my expectation like i wanted this to be a good film and i wanted to well not a good film but i wanted it to be enjoyable for me yep and it fucking wasn't it was a slog i would give it like one out of five stars and the only point would be for the cute eye patch wearing chihuahua who is the only source of joy in this entire film (laughs) okay very cute but that's it's it's not good it is not good in my opinion (laughs) What else have you been watching? Um, so I watched just last night, I think, or the night before. What is time? Who knows? Um, I watched Bo Burnham's comedy special Inside, uh, which is available on Netflix. Um, and you might be asking, is this a comedy special? Um, I would say yes. There is definitely comedy. Um it is very funny and I definitely laughed a lot throughout it. It is, you know, certainly this kind of, and very early on your setup, you understand the setup that it's like a little creative experiment where Bo Burnham will be in a little hut for six months to finish his comedy special while the world is dealing with COVID. 
Um, so I'm like, okay, cool. That, that'll be fine. Um, now, of course, this process takes much longer because COVID went on and on and on. And also I think Bo Burnham probably um, miscalculated how long it would take him to be able to create what he wanted. Um, but like through all the funny songs, and there are a lot of funny songs, uh, we see a man absolutely grapple <laughs> with his own sanity. Um, you know, he's having to deal with being kept inside. It's just him and his brain and he has nothing but the digital world to keep, I guess, his connections alive, his connections to both the world and people alive. Um, I saw on Twitter, you know, quite a bit of talk about or fear about people maybe being a bit trepidatious about actually watching it. Yeah. We're talking about how depressing and dark it's, I noticed Inside it's about an hour and a half as well, which is a little is. longer a, than most comedy specials I've yeah. watched on Netflix as well, yeah. Um, and, you know, they're so worried it's depressing and dark. And, yeah, there there is that. But it's also just incredibly made. It is meticulous. I think Bo Burnham has clearly consumed so much music and content and absorbed himself in online culture that the performances he creates with just like his camera and his lighting set up in this very small room, like it's a pure joy to watch someone really use all of their skills in such a, just a wonderful way. Um, And obviously him doing that consistently for so long it's it takes a toll, I think, particularly given the global circumstances as well. Um, and it is, yeah, it is emotionally taxing. And I think, you know, sometimes the concepts of the songs were a little repetitive. It is sure. quite doom and gloomy and, like, let's talk about, like, you know, the glo- global politics and how all of these things are interrelated and our place in that and our powerlessness and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so there is a repetitive element, but I also think it's really reflective of like that circular thinking that happens when you are in isolation. Um, you know, you get on these obsessions and you start to like think through them as though there might be a solution and ultimately realizing that, you can't think your way out of this huge problem that is the way the world functions. So you really watch that process kind of take place, which I think a lot of us went through during lockdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it felt to me like I was watching the lockdown experience, um, certainly similar to the one that I had. I mean, I, I was yeah. very lucky I had a partner. Um, so in that way it was different, but, yeah, no, I, it was nice to have that reflected back. I guess that's the question is like the timing of watching this mm. doesn't seem too early. It seems like it's a good time to be watching this. Well, here's thing. the thing is like, you know, when you hear people say like there's a project that um, is about quarantine or lockdown or COVID and the mm. feeling is like, no, it's too early. I'm still in it. Fuck off. Mm-hmm. Which I think is a valid response. And I, I totally understand that. But wh- I feel like when it's something like this that is really cathartic in its honest reflection of what it really was, and, it, you know, it's not inspiring 
you know, it's it's not trying to talk about like how humanity all came together and we worked or like, you know, we have inner strength and blah, what it's not about. Like, it's just very honest about what isolation is and looks like and feels like. Um, and the, the process was taxing while watching it. But there are so much, you know, there's still moments of joy and silliness. Um, I found it really cathartic. I think depending on your mental state, I think it might be a nice companion piece for a lockdown, I think, but definitely dependent on your own uh, mental state at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you probably have like a lot of laughs seeing yourself, (laughs) looking at yourself um, in all like the depths of despair, those moments that you go through when you are going through isolation. I really liked it. I thought it was really, really good. I mean, the general consensus I'm getting from reading online is that it's fucking amazing. <laughs> if nothing yeah. else, it's it's pretty incredible. So it's definitely something I've looked at a couple of times. I've been scrolling through Netflix, um, but it has been one of those situations. Like, am I in the am I in the mindset? Am I in the mood for this right now? Particularly this week. Uh, and the beautiful thing is, it has an intermission. So if you're oh, halfway, that's lovely. If you're halfway through and you're like, you know what, I need a break. Just have a break in intermission. That's more, fine. And come back in a couple of days. shows, more movies need intermissions. Yes. Make intermissions normal again. Yeah. Particularly now that every fucking movie is like two and a half hours long. Exactly. Which takes me back to Cruella. It was two fucking... It was over two hours long. Yeah, There's no insane. need for that. Yeah. Um, anyway, but yeah, Bo Burnham's Inside is really, really good. I, Very good. Yeah. It was a great experience. Check that out on Netflix. Anything else? Um, there's a show I've been watching. It's on SBS. Uh, I'm not sure if you can get it in America or the UK yet, but please like give it a Google. You might get some results wherever you are across the world. It's a New Zealand show called Creamery. Um, so it takes place in a world where there are no men and the systems of power have been replaced with kind of these new age spirituality, you know, slash self-actualization stuff. It's kind okay. of if you... If the world was run by goop and a fertility clinic, that's kind of like those things come together. Sure. That's the yeah. world. Um, we have like... This is, I believe this is one of the uh, the main story arcs in Why the Last Man from memory. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think we all want a world with no man and these stories keep coming up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, we have like three friends um, and they happen upon, <gasps> surprise, a man. <gasps> And this one last man. Sorry, yeah, and then the adventure begins. So this was a show that I was kind of passively watching. Just like it was just a nice little fresh Suddenly thing to the watch. The title was, is really gross. Yeah, it is. It's really <laughs> gross. It's really gross. I was just kind of like passively watching it, like you know, when we're watch we're eating dinner or something. Like it was yeah. lighthearted, bit silly. Wasn't really sure exactly what the the tone was. Um, and then things still like really ramp up towards the end of episode four. But yeah, for a long time I was confused about the tone. I'm like, I think it's meant to be a comedy comedy, but then there's moments of like, that's when it's trying to be like quite emotional. And so I was sure. like, oh, I'm not really sure if I'm vibing with this. And then you see there's an appearance of what I would call an absurd looking bounty hunter um, and a chase through an event called Sink Fest. Um, which really cemented its purpose of like silliness at that point. I was like, okay, I get this show. There are moments of like, you know, emotionality and all that stuff, but it's, it's meant to be very silly. Yeah. Um, so I was like, 
yes, I'm I'm into this show. I still haven't finished it yet, but what I've been doing is I've been watching it in between episodes of The Handmaid's Tale. That movie is so, that that show is so fucking dire and so sure. hard to watch, and I don't actually want to watch it. We're doing it for the podcast. Um, I, hate- I haven't I haven't started watching it yet, but. There was an episode description that I saw for the one that's out this mm. week that made me go, I need to start. This is exactly what I've wanted the show to be doing for a while now. This is Handmaid's Tale we're talking about. I think I'm, I think I finished episode five last night. So far, it's been a waste of my fucking time. Oh. So if it starts to get good at episode six of its final fucking season. We don't know if it's the final season. It might not be the final season. What are you talking about? Oh, no. Don't tell me. That's the only <laughs> thing that's been getting me through. I don't, I don't I don't. think we know that's the case. Don't we know that? Isn't that why no, we're doing I it? No, I don't think so. I'm gonna t- you keep talking about Creamery. I'm going to double check that. I have that. been manipulated. <laughs> I have been manipulated. Anyway, I've been watching this show, Creamery, in between having to watch The Handmaid's Tale for the fucking podcast. Um, and it's... It's just like the perfect antidote because it's obviously, you know, has the kind of it's like the flip side of the concept. Um, in turn, it's all about like fertility, but women are in power in this instance, all that stuff. And it's just a nice palate cleanser to make me forget how much I fucking hate The Handmaid's Tale. Right. Yeah. Have you found anything yet, Brad? Uh, nothing definitive, which makes me think that they haven't announced this is the final season. Well, it's the final season for me. <laughs> you what? Oh, apparently it's been renewed for season five. I'm oh, reading. Fuck's sake. Uh, it doesn't seem legit, like super legitimate news, but I'm getting the I'm getting the feeling it's not done. I think The Handmaid's Tale hates women, hates me specifically. <laughs> <laughs> it's just I can't wait to review this with awful. you. Awful. Yeah. Great. Okay. Cool. That, that's it for me, bro. Okay. Cool. I'm ready to move on. Um, Creamery sounds really good, though. I'm really interested in that. Yeah, and it's certainly, fun. if I kind of want to watch it now before this "Why the Last Man" series comes mm-hmm. out, because it's a very similar concept. Yeah. And I mean, it's it, like it's quite a, a like a low budge. I mean, it's made in New Zealand, sure. kind of like, but it's also just nice to support, you know, Australasian productions and stuff um Absolutely. I, yeah i think it's fun easy thing to watch while you're eating dinner yeah cool awesome uh i've been watching rupaul's drag race down under which we've spoken about mm-hmm. previously mm-hmm. in an old uh or last time we did a reality check we won't do a full reality check today it's really the only one i've been watching that's anything to do with reality tv are you up to date now no, you were a couple episodes behind. I just you can't s- find the motivation to watch it. I don't know what's wrong with me. It's Am I interesting. I, I think that's. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that says something about just the the quality of the show. You don't seem to be. I'm I'm enjoying it well enough, but I am a no. RuPaul it tends to newbie. happen. For, I don't know for the last few years, RuPaul. It's really hard for me to get excited about RuPaul's Drag Race, and it's been I that am, way for a long time. Except for I was like say, the yeah. Anyway, go on. I, I imagine that's. Got to be a common thing that happens when a show is into its 14th season of its regular version of itself, not including its all stars and yeah. international spin offs. Like, this yeah, has I've been, been watching it for a long time. There I'm pretty so tired. Much RuPaul. I was thinking yeah. today also, it's like, how are they still coming up with like new ideas for challenges? And they really aren't. They're just recycling They're just, yeah. the same ones exactly. with slightly different like variations mm. on theme or whatever. It's, it is a lot. Mm. Um, and so that's, I'm coming from a different vision place as someone who's yeah. relatively new to the series. Um, I'm enjoying Drag Race Down Under quite a lot. Yeah, that's good. Not loving it, I don't mm. think. 
but I'm starting to find my favorite queens. I'm starting to know who I do and don't want to win. It's a shame you have it up to date because I want to talk to you about a couple of recent events, but that's okay. <laughs> um, so catch up because by okay. the time the series ends, I'd like to talk to you about it okay. in more detail. Yes. Um, but yeah, I'd be interested to know what international viewers are thinking of it as well. I think mm. Australian audience is going to have a very specific potential reactions to it based on whether they just find it fun to have our sort of sense of humor and Mm. culture on screen versus international people who might find it fun to do something that feels a bit different or new or finds it irritating which they might because it feels over the top whatever it might be i don't know i'm interested in people's thoughts on it but i don't know i'm enjoying it that's still running on stan new episode coming out tomorrow for that finished taskmaster season 11 (gasps) i said Previously, that season 10 is my favourite. It's still my favourite, though season 11 was very, 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 very strong. Is that on SBS? Where am I watching that? Uh, I'd be talking to any nautical friends you have about gotcha. watching that one. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I, yeah uh, YouTube had a lot of it, actually. That's <laughs> why I ended up watching it, um, which I'm sure is fine. Yeah. And I... I've talked about this show ad nauseum before. It really, it's, I'm actually sad the season's over because there's something mm. to just like look forward to a new episode every week. It's yeah. just, it's 40 minutes of joy every time mm-hmm. I watch this show. That, the most recent cast, something I, season 10 is my favorite overall, but there mm. was, of the five celebrity taskies, I don't know what you would call them, contestants, I loved four of them were sort of lukewarm on one. Mm-hmm. I was really fond of all five this season. Oh, I cool. thought, and one thing I love about a season of Taskmaster is watching episode one, where the the contestants are trying to figure out sort of what their tone is, yes. and maybe yes, trying yes, to bring yes. a bit too much of a character or something like that sometimes. Yeah, and then they just start to get a bit more comfortable, yes. and they builds a natural chemistry between the five of them and the hosts, mm-hmm. and I, it it always happens, and it's always I love a that joy. Process. Yeah. Because they and come in episode- like with an expectation, yeah. Of like, obviously, a lot of them have seen the show before. Yes, I think so. It's those who are most natural from the beginning are those who have no idea what show they're on. Sure. Um, but generally, like people have watched the show before, understand like there's quite a bit of expectation around how you're going to perform. Yeah. Um, you know how funny you're going to be, all that stuff. But yeah, once they hit their own rhythm, and it's just something they do week in. Like it's, yeah. They, they really fall into themselves and that's when like it gets very funny. Yes. Very good. They they drop, they often, because they're often comedians, they come yeah. in with a little bit of a character. Yeah. And then they let that drop and they just start to naturally have fun. And it's just like watching friends fuck around. And it yeah. is- I thought you meant the TV show. I'm like, I don't think I'd call no, it like no, no, watching no, no, friends. No. Like, like you're watching mates, basically. <laughs> yeah. And that chemistry is really infectious, I think. Mm. And it's- yeah, it was it was another it was another great season. I can't wait for season twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gonna have uh, what's his name? The guy who plays oh shit, the QI guy who's always on Davis. Uh, do you know who I mean? Jonathan Creek. Fucking oh yeah, the curly hair man. Yes, him. What's he's gonna name? be one of the contestants. Can't remember. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's gonna be on it. If you know cool. Jonathan Creek. It uh, looks like there's going to be another good cast. So, whenever that comes out in a couple of two or three months, hopefully, I'll be there for season 12, no doubt about it. I also finally watched The Mitchells versus The Machines. Oh, yes. I watched that too. Yeah. is an animated film, Lord & Miller produced. Uh, the writers behind Gravity Falls with the rise mm-hmm. of this as well. Sony animated picture. It's got a, a similar sort of art style to Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, though with its own spin. 
I noted just thinking today about actually, its energy reminds me a lot of the Lego movie, mm-hmm. which is another Lord and Miller thing as well. Um, but without, this is, feels like the first, again, Lord and Miller, I know aren't the writers or directors of the show, they're producers, but they, they obviously have a great way of finding the talent and a certain energy and style to mm. it. The, so I'll use them as the reference point because they're the most sort of notable names from my point of view for this. But the, the, what I like is this is the first time I can remember where they've done something that's this big that's also not rooted in something that's an existing franchise. So it's not the mm. Lego series, it's not Spider-Man, it's not even... Um, oh, I mean, Hungry with a Chance... Sorry, Clay with a Chance of Meatballs, I suppose, but that was even based on a book. Like, I think this is an original concept and it's fucking great. It's it like really as a as a family road trip uh, daddy-daughter storyline mm-hmm. coming of age storyline uh, story it's brilliant the animation is spectacular the cinematography some of the imagery i kept just going sort of Steph and i just kept going like that this is like beautiful to watch mm. at times yeah and also super cartoony and like that elastic type of um, action and animation and it's just really really solid it's a good time yeah it's a, it's really, a good really good time i don't yeah. know if it's in like my favorite animated films ever but it's right up there like it's yeah. really good and as i said previously one of the reasons i was looking forward to watching this is that in a world where we are sort of smothered in disney 3d animated films and pixar mm. animation and those things are great i'm a big fan of like your toy stories and your um your tangleds and all that sort of stuff they're great i i always look forward to a moana or a whatever it's nice to have a different sort of sensibility that's this sort of this mixture of 3D and 2D animation and using it in ways that aren't so naturalistic all the time. And it's it's not going for 3D realism, which most mm. of those other things are to some degree. Yeah. Um, it's really refreshing and I'm really glad that there's this strong arm at Sony that are making these sort of animated films. I can't wait to see what they do next. I finally finished Mad Men. Congratulations. Seven seasons. I've been watching it over the course of the last couple of years, I feel like. It's one of those mm. shows we've sort of dipped into and out of as uh, as we've been moving between shows we've been reviewing for the podcast. Um, Steph, my partner, had watched all of it up until the, s- the midpoint of season seven. There was a mid-season break. Right. Mm-hmm. And she didn't want it to end because she was <laughs> such a big fan of the show, so she never watched it. So, I had right. to sort of drag her kicking and screaming into the final bunch of mm-hmm. episodes. And overall, I think it's a really, really solid show. It is definitely one of those shows that's built on the work of like The Sopranos in particular. Not that it's like a similar, it's not necessarily a similar style of show. It's set, it's a period piece, but still a lot about like um, masculinity to some degree, but there's a lot more focus on its female characters as well in a male-dominated world. Definitely that sort of the the follow-up in Prestige, Prestige TV to like, yes, Surprise and so forth. And unlike The Sopranos, which I found to be wildly uneven, mm. uh, even as the granddaddy of sort of modern-day Prestige TV, I think Mad Men is really solid from start to finish, much more entertaining on episode-to-episode basis than Sopranos is. Much better written, I think. Um, I really like a lot of these characters quite a bit. Even the ones who irritate me, irritate me, and are interesting enough to make them um, compelling to watch on TV. I'm never like, oh, this person's on screen. I can't wait to move on to the next thing. Right. Do you know what I mean? Okay. How a show yeah, can do that. Do. And that's, that's just a very, very baseline sort of... in. 
summary of my feelings on it. I think it's 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 I can see why it's considered one of like the prestige television shows, and hopefully mm-hmm. one day we're going to review it season by season on Hunting Seasons. It's probably what we're going to do after we finish Sopranos, which is not too far away yes, now. Just let me finish Sopranos first. Ugh, do, so I know work. you're not super excited about because you've tried to start like three Mad times. Men times. I tried to start this fucking Mad Men show, and every time I don't even make it through season one. I'm like, I cannot watch this. I hate what is it. it that turns you off? It's just insufferable. I don't like any of the characters. I hate what's happening. I just hate it. I hate it. It's just like I don't want to. I don't want to watch those dickheads be dickheads. Really. I, I'm excited for you to watch the show because I think you will. I think mm-hmm. you'll you'll get a lot more out of it than you think. I understand okay. you don't want to watch another like this is a show that, especially on the surface, seems extremely male dominated. Mm. But some of the most compelling characters, and they get plenty of time, are the female characters, particularly Peggy and Joan, who are excellent and get heaps of time. I'll be honest, Betty got fucked over. <laughs> this show really fucked up Betty Draper. Mm. Um, and I think they just didn't know what to do with her by the time we hit the midpoint of the the show. And they, yeah, she got she got a, a raw deal. but But Peggy and Joan alone will be worth your time I think I think we'll say when we finally get there I've also been finally just things I've been watching watching Love on the Spectrum which is an ABC documentary series uh, about uh, people on the autism spectrum who are looking for love essentially season one is on Netflix at least in Australia season two is currently airing on the ABC so I've been watching just started season two on ABC iview Mm -hmm. um Really, really good. It's it's a very interesting show in terms of just sort of getting to understand or getting, yeah, really a snapshot of people who are dealing with being on the autism spectrum to varying levels. It is a spectrum, so some people are more high-functioning than others. The difficulties of forging relationships and yet the desire to have relationships um, mm. when you are on the spectrum, I think is really compelling. Sometimes there's a part of me that worries that it's that's entertaining or compelling in a way that's like, oh, isn't that cute? This person who is not like me is finding love too. Or Mm. I I don't know. Sometimes I feel a little bit like a weird observer. Like I'm almost, it's not like, it's not like making fun of, but being entertained by people's non neurotypical people or neuro, neuro atypical people's quirks. Almost. I don't know. There's a part of me that feels a little bit guilty. Yeah. I've, I've had similar thoughts. Um, um, around it as well when I've watched it, because um, I really enjoy the show. Yeah, I do and too. And I am so endeared to all of them. Yes. So and so invested in <laughs> their journey to find someone. Um, yeah, I I, I don't know what, what I don't know the line is the answer. I'm not sure. I don't because I don't think this is this is a show that has ill intentions. No. By any measure, I don't think it's purposely exploitative. That's for sure. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't think it's exploitative. No. Though I'll tell you what worries me. Right mm. when when it sometimes does feel exploitative, is it can feel exploitative in the same way that reality television can be exploitative. Where when say mm. there's the dates mm-hmm. are, are on and like editing is used not necessarily to enhance but to demonstrate awkwardness or challenges like. Um, in like making conversation and mm. those sorts of things. It's where it 
feels more like reality television sometimes than like a documentary, if that makes sense. It's not like it's putting mm-hmm. like sound effects over the top or anything like that. <laughs> Though boing, it boing, has, boing, boing. Yeah. it's even it did do that. Actually, episode one of um, season two did that at one point. This guy is talking about like he's really enthusiastic about racing and cars and stuff like that. He mm. talks about this magic lamp and then he's talking about like making a wish because he really wants a girlfriend. Mm. And then they did the little twinkle sound over it. I'm like, yeah. Right. I, I don't I don't know where the line is. Again, I don't think it's ill-intentioned. I mm. think it is probably doing a lot more good than it is doing harm in terms of people st- helping to understand maybe who have never or don't understand what Alzheimer's, not Alzheimer's, what Asperger's, that's not even the case anymore, what autism is, sorry. Mm. Maybe giving them an understanding of that so that if they were to interact with someone who is not neurotypical, they would be able to better approach that. I don't know. Yeah. But sometimes it feels a little bit voyeuristic in a way that's like, is this just being made to be entertaining for me? Someone who's neurotypical. I don't know. There's a slight icky feeling Mm. there sometimes. Yeah. I understand that. But I also think, on the other hand, I don't disagree with what you're saying. um, But on the other hand, like, we have so many shows about neurotypical people dating True. Um, that I don't think these people need to be treated with kid gloves. Agreed. And I. Yeah. And that's the thing too. It's like, it's, yeah, we. Uh, where's the line between being precious and being exploitative? I don't. Yeah. yeah it's, it's an interesting sort of case If this show was like The Bachelor, I'd be calling someone being like, this is Oh, that'd be great. awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think it well, seems pretty responsible. I. I on the surface, I don't actually know, but certainly it seems the to be. filmmakers. There's always that feeling that no one's being forced to do anything they don't want to do. And no I like one's that being the families manipulated. are involved. The families are involved. Yeah. No one's being manipulated into doing mm. something they don't want to do, yes. or being manipula- manipulated to have an, a response or reaction that they that they wouldn't naturally have. Yeah. And if there is a sense of anxiety or anything there that's making them uncomfortable. No one's, you know, being forced to deal with that in the moment, you know. Often people, especially on first dates, um, in the show are overcome with nervousness, which becomes anxiety and they need to leave. Mm -hmm. And that's always fine. Like, it's not like that at all. Um, Yeah, anyway. Interesting. But but I've been a very informative show and it's a show I quite lovely in most ways. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a weird take on that. One last thing I want to do, something <laughs> we haven't done in a little while, mm. is do a bit of a spoiler room because we've had some great correspondence by a listener of the show, GJ ah. Corbin. Uh, so we're going to be talking about in-depth and spoiler-filled discussion about Invincible Season 1, which mm-hmm. we reviewed a couple of podcasts back now. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you don't want to be spoiled on Invincible, I suggest turning around now. Otherwise, let's go down to the spoiler room, Damas. Let me just get my keys out. Uh, unlock <laughs> unlock the door here. Okay, let's go. Let's, uh, after you. Why is there no light in here? It's, it's, uh, well, now the door's closed. It's, it's, it's very dark. I know it's all right. I'll light a torch at the bottom of the, at the, bottom of the stairs for us so we can see. Brilliant. All right, excellent. So, uh, let's have a look at what GJ's written here. It was quite lengthy, actually, and I really appreciate GJ for sending stuff in. They are always fantastic at uh, giving us something to talk about on the podcast. So GJ says, loving the episode on Invincible 
Uh, episodes where you two disagree are usually my favourite because of the interesting discussion it tends to lead to. I agree. Don't you, Damask? No. <laughs> no, you don't. No, of course I do. Yes. You used to get very bored. I just wanted we to disagree with you. That's all. Same. Ha ha. Ha 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 ha. Very good. Uh, DJ says, I ended up feeling similarly to Broad about the show overall, but for very different reasons. And I want to push back a little bit on some of the claims made in the non-spoiler discussion. Ooh, specifically, Specifically, the complaint about how much of the story felt like filler. Now, I brought interjecting here for a second. I want to push back a little bit on that term, the Go term ahead, stop filler. Stop pushing each other. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, but I'll come back to that later. GJ goes into okay. more detail about Great. what they're talking about, and when they do, then I'll talk about why I think the term filler wasn't really what I was going for. But we'll get to that in a second. Okay. GJ continues. I think it's important to remember that Invincible is an early two thousands longish running comic book series, and that means its story structure is different to what we might expect with our superhero experiences. Uh, movies, limited series, and one-off comics is fundamentally a serial story. This is kind of obfuscated. Thank you. That was a word I was trying to get the other day. I couldn't. Uh, by the structure of the show, a bit like only eight episodes would lead you to believe it's a singular story. But I think it's clear that Invincible is more of a monster of the week show that includes a few overarching uh, plot lines. Which is why I think a better comparison is a season of Buffy than something like Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Do you have any thoughts at this stage, Damask? I'm with you, GJ. Okay. Like I said above, I think the way the show adapts its material does confuse this. I haven't read the source material, but I have read a lot about the changes made from comic to show. And while most of it is for the better, examples being dropping some homophobic jokes, completely rewriting Amber and fleshing out Debbie, etc., one change made is pushing the death of the Guardians to the first episode as opposed to around the halfway point of season one. There's a lot about that change I think works, but specifically leans the show away from its episodic nature, which generally contributes to the confusion here, in my opinion. Another point that I make... I uh, can't, sorry, so another point that I can't make in full confidence because I don't know where the story will go, but I feel like Invincible is about Mark leaning into... Uh, sorry, Mark learning what it means to be a superhero and 9% of that is what you called filler. I'm going to push... I'll come back to that in a second. I think that's... <laughs> I think there's so much more to being a superhero than the big events and genocidal dad it's about day-to-day smaller incidents something that's easy for us to forget when most of our superhero content is avengers level okay so that's where i want to start i just want to say yes on broad's behalf gj i'm really sorry for what's to come (laughs) because he (laughs) got closer to his screen and i think (laughs) i got closer because i couldn't read it because i couldn't it's gonna happen i'm so sorry because like i kept misreading (laughs) because like it was slightly smaller smaller print (laughs) than everything else i've been had today um so I agree with GJ that that this show could certainly be a Monster of the Week show. I think you could talk about it. You could see it that way. It does mm-hmm. have each episode sort of has its own little storyline, whether it's going to Mars or it's the, the college thing with the, the Frankenstein-type monsters or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. I think on an execution level is where it didn't do that stuff really well. And that's what I was talking about. Hopefully, I was illustrating during the podcast – um, we did the review initially. Um, or So it's like, while the Mark storyline definitely is probably about what you're talking about in terms of being um, about the everyday struggles of being a superhero, I found that stuff to be not well enough executed to be compelling part of the storyline. I found Mark to be boring because of that. It's not that the, the storyline can't be interesting. It obviously can be. Spider-Man 
has a very similar storyline and has been the most popular comic book character for pretty much as long as it's existed. And there is a reason for that because people find it relatable. What it means to be someone who has to share the responsibilities between being a teenager and being a superhero, etc. I think that's definitely, definitely there. I just didn't think it was done in a way that made it compelling enough to do it. And that's also a problem that comes with just doing... That story has been told, I think, ad nauseum. It's an extremely popular storyline. The most, potentially the most popular superhero outside of Batman and Spider-Man has been telling that story for decades now. And so if you're going to do it, you have to do it in a way that is new or exciting or compelling to me. And I just didn't think that was the case. And so maybe part of the problem I had was that the stuff that was the genocidal dad and the end of the world stuff was so much more interesting that all I wanted to do was come back to that because when I went back to Mark, it wasn't it wasn't taking my interest, if that makes sense. I don't know how you feel about that, Damask. <laughs> now I know why you locked me in this room. <laughs> listen to this bullshit again. Um, I, I, I understand where you're coming from, Brad. I get it. I don't agree that it wasn't compelling. And cool. I like and that's, the small stories. Yes. And that's the thing. But I also want to... Uh, oh, no, he's, no, he's wagging his finger. <laughs> GJ used the term filler, which oh, is not a term I used at any point as far as I can tell. Oh, I'm, you went back I, and listened to it because you... Well, were... <laughs> I, I, always listen, I always listen back because I'm always okay, listening to right. make sure I haven't mm. missed anything but from did, any point Once you read this email, though, did you go back and re-listen to it? Because you're like, no, I was, I was already you, listening. To, Oh, because the the email, the DM came through pretty early oh, okay. on after it right, went right. up. Um, and by the time I was listening to it, because it was later on in my podcast feed, I was like, right. I'll listen out to see if I actually use that term. Because I didn't remember. All right. Yeah, alibi filler. checks out, but I don't believe you. you, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> but filler, from what I understand, is a term that has a lot of negative connotations, particularly in anime. And I might be a little bit wrong about this because I'm not the biggest anime aficionado. But like, there's all this talk of things like... Dragon Ball Z is probably my better reference point because I've not yeah. watched Naruto and One Piece and stuff like these long-running shows. But there's talk of like filler arcs, for instance. Like the Garlic Junior Saga is considered a filler arc, etc. in Dragon Ball Z. And those are filler or filler episodes. Or yeah, there's even like episodes where Goku learns to drive, which has no like overall real... Um, impact on the storyline so much it's just a fun episode that's a distraction from the main story Mm -hmm. and those would be considered filler episodes and i wouldn't use that term for what invincible is doing because i don't think that's accurate and i don't think that's what the show is again it's not that it couldn't have been compelling it was just the stuff that was less interesting to me so i wouldn't i'd never use the term filler to describe what was going on there it was just that was the stuff that i didn't enjoy if that makes sense. So I just wanted to, I don't want to, I never wanted to use the term filler nor suggest that's what I was saying about the show. Going back to GJ. <laughs> Do you have a sound effect of someone running upstairs? Because I want to get out of here. <laughs> just no, banging on the door trying to get out. <laughs> Help me. No, go on. Go on, bro. Uh, GJ says the reason that I came, that I came away feeling meh is for the same reason I did after watching The Boys which is Mm. similar to you, Damask. Mm. Both are superhero deconstructions where the deconstruction is underwhelming. It says, what if superheroes were violent assholes and nothing more? That take is definitely influenced by the fact that I have a superhero story that does what I want Invincible and the boys to do and is better in arguably every single way possible. What is it, GJ? GJ does get to it. And part 
uh, of this is that I don't enjoy deconstruction stories. It's super easy to criticize and deconstruct a genre. Taking a bit of a stab at us here as uh, people who are criticizing and what an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot harder and way more satisfying to write a reconstruction, a la Madoka mm. and Magical Girls and Worm, which is the story that they were referencing above, and superheroes. So these are three stories, none of which I've heard of. No. That apparently the GJ believes does do a better job of deconstructing the genre than Invincible or The Boys. When we're done, can you send me those names so I can? I can do do that absolutely. GJ continues. I have a few thoughts, but they're more scattered. Number one, I also disliked Rex. Manzukas is great, but that role didn't utilize his charm at all. (laughs) Agreed. Agreed. Disagreed. GJ. (laughs) Two, I also didn't get evil vibes from Cecil. Until they banished Dark Blood, is there a reason for that? Do we not know, or did I miss it? I think the reason, if I'm understanding correctly, well, wait, the reason for getting rid of Dark Blood is that what we're doing? Yes. About? Okay. Yeah, yeah. From what I understand, Cecil is getting rid of Dark Blood because he's worried that Dark well, he's Blood is going to give the game up. He's going to give the game up. Exactly yeah. right. So yeah. they're trying to covertly, or uh, yeah, con- yeah, secretly yeah. Uh, watch what. Nolan's doing. Mm-hmm. Dark Blood is interfering in a way that Cecil is worried it's going to cause Nolan to act in some way. Yeah. Whereas they'd rather be trying to observe and get things prepared mm-hmm. if something bad were to eventuate, which obviously does happen. And I think from a narrative point of view, the other reason that they have Dark Blood get banished by Cecil is to give you a reason to think that Cecil is bad. Which mm. it didn't do, or at for least me. like, well, no, I don't know if bad is the right word, but like morally ambiguous, right? Yeah, yeah so, they're trying yeah. to make you question what Cecil's intentions are to some yes. degree. Is this someone we can what's trust or not? What's the biggest story here as to what his end game is? Yeah, yeah exactly so. right. Yeah. yeah, and so it didn't really for me. It didn't work on that level. Mm. Um, but anyway, number three. Your point on Amber is interesting. I mentioned before that she was completely rewritten. In the original comic, she was a complete non-character, just a hot blonde girl for Mark to fawn on. So they rectified this by giving her a a fleshed-out personality, but she still wasn't given anything to do. Debbie would have been the same, but by moving the Guardian's death to the beginning, they were able Mm. to give her a plotline that's avoiding the issue. So this is interesting, I think, because I still found Amber to be not an interesting character because... They didn't give her anything to do. Mm-hmm. But it does definitely sounds like at least the version of Amber we got had a little bit more personality. Yeah. Which is helpful. Mm-hmm. And while there was discussion earlier from GJ that moving the Guardian's death to the start of the season changes the sort of the story that we're getting. It's no longer a serialized, it's more a it's yeah, it's more a, an overall extended plot line over eight episodes. Mm-hmm. It did give Debbie a lot more to do, is definitely a good thing. Yes. Um, does any of that surprise you at all, or any of that? No, not at all. Hmm. Like I'm, I'm vibing with it. I get it. It all makes sense to me. Number four, that all change, opinions welcome here. <laughs> that change does create a lot of plot holes in the comics. The time between killing the guardians and beating up Mark was much shorter, which is another thing we talked about. There was like the timing of those events seemed a little bit strange. So the idea that the guardians would have been killed yes. and then, yeah. the, and there was less time between that and getting to the fight with Mark. Mm-hmm. Would have felt a lot more natural. Yeah, the fact and easy that to um, what's his face, Superman dude, like Nolan. He did it, Omni Man, Nolan, um, did 
it just by his own, like through his own volition. Like he's just like, I'm just going to do it now. doesn't make any sense, but obviously it's, it helps move the plot along, which is important. But I think, yeah, structurally, I think it is really important that we got that at the beginning. Yeah. I saw someone talk about that change and how it took Omni-Man from a twist villain to a twist villain where we were spoiled on that fact. I don't think it was meant to be a mystery, but instead supposed to give us a sense of tension throughout the whole mm. season. Like that thing Hitchcock talked about with the bomb under the table or, you know, Chekhov's gun or whatever. Like, oh, yeah. well, no, that's, they're different things, actually. The bomb under the table is like, you know the bomb's going to go off. Yes. It's a question of what's going to happen by the time the counter kicks, the timer kicks down, ticks down. And I kind of agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um... I don't know why I didn't feel that tension necessarily. It was because I was waiting for it to happen. Because you weren't invested, perhaps. Like, if you're not invested probably. in the characters, then, like, who cares if they're going to get blown up? Yeah, I guess I, that's probably exactly it, honestly. It's mm. like, you need to give me a compelling reason to care about the people who are going to get blown yeah. up by the bomb for me to care about the fact that the bomb's blowing up. Yeah. You're probably right on that. Uh, number five, I know you guys don't often talk about the fandom of any given show because it's kind of relevant I'd like to mention apparently calling Debbie the pet has been a running joke since that line in the comics which is horrific as for the show fandom yeah Amber is one of the most hated characters in the show more than Omni-Man because quote unquote she's a bitch who's quote unfair to Mark I've also seen some interesting analysis on how in the show how in the show's attempt to avoid stereotyping Amber, aka a dumb blonde damsel, they completely rewrote uh, her and ended up in a completely different stereotype, that being of the aggressive black woman. How do you feel about that? Hmm, interesting. Um, like, that fandom stuff doesn't surprise me, of course. <clears throat> Entitled white fanboys. Oh, thinking they're cool and edgy, saying shit like that. Of course, that's, uh, that's not surprising to me. Um... We see it all the time. It's the Rick and Morty situation where people latch on to the wrong message because mm. something can be a little bit more complex or dark or violent or yep. there are characters who exert uh, or, or put themselves forward as being like, as long as I am looking after myself, I am right. This is a Breaking Bad situation as well. Mm. They, they see that as the moral message of the story. Yeah. They see them as the heroes. Um, and that's fucked up. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's been a problem in so many different fandoms yes. when they talk about something in a slightly complex way mm. that's edgy, I guess, and the fan base take that as like permission to be douchebags. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, in terms of like changing from one stereotype to another, in terms of like the, the dumb blonde to the angry black woman... I guess I don't see Amber as angry. No. I, I understand that, like, you might see that and that is a problem. I personally don't feel that about that character at all. So I don't know how to comment on it. I, if, I if guess that's what's happened, then that, that's obviously bad. But I, I guess I didn't see her as an angry black woman. Yeah, I didn't see her as angry either, but I can see if someone... Yeah, The I problem valid, is if Amber, if Amber doesn't have a lot else going on, she is mm. defined by... Mostly how she's reacting to Mark, mm-hmm. which is, I don't think is unfair. It, I never had a problem with Amber being pissed off with the fact that Mark mm. was terrible boyfriend who was yeah. constantly either late or cancelling things last second. That's, she has every right to. In fact, if anything, it just may be annoyed that she gave him so many chances. Like, I wish she'd <laughs> fucked him off because he was a terrible boyfriend. Yeah. Uh, it was hard um, for me to, to care yeah. 
about like, their relationship yeah. because of that. There's small instances with um, what's her name, Eve, and the Andrew Rannells character whose name I can't remember. Um, yeah, like she seems quite lovely and jovial. Yes. Yes. So yeah. Mm, I don't know. I don't know how to comment on that one. Sorry. If, if she was given more to do, if there's more to her character than just how she related to Mark, I think there yeah, would be... Yeah, I think that's more the be, issue. Yeah. That's, that's that really she's the issue. A, she's still the stereotype of the superhero's girlfriend. It's slightly different, but that's, that is her role in the show, I suppose. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you very much, GJ, for sending that in. We really appreciate everybody who sends in uh, topic suggestions, discussion points. If you've got anything you want to add to the discussion or want us to respond to, please do by con- uh, sending us an email at contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com. I think that's it. Oh, we should get out of the, uh, the spoiler room as well. Yeah, get me out Let's of here, Sorry. Sorry. Don't I do know. these chains. Why am I locked up? <laughs> there were no chains. <laughs> Don't give me that. Anyway, I'll open the door for you. Here you go. After you. Oh, God. It feels so good to... Feel a breeze on your skin again. All right. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of Off Topic, Hot Topic. We'll be back next week to discuss season six, part one of The Sopranos, or season six A, if you go by HBO's uh, reasoning. How are you going with that? Have you started on that yet? No, of course I haven't, Brad. Of course I haven't. I'm about halfway through. I'm doing (laughs) okay. I'm keeping up to one episode a day so far. And I'm also sick, so I'm really sooky, and I'm like, (laughs) I'm going to watch it like all the day before. I feel like I can Great. just feel that in my bones. Yeah. Excellent. That should be <laughs> definitely the best way to watch the Sopranos. Uh, in the meantime, <laughs> thank you for listening. We'll see you next week for a Soprano season six part one review. Catch you later. Bye. Absolutely. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.